Have you ever wondered what it would be like to pet a lion? Am I really the only one? You have to? Yes. I feel like I've thought these things on occasions when I've run into a a video that maybe shows somebody raising a, a lion from a young cub onward. And of course, that young cub looks so cute and cuddly. And you can pretty easily imagine petting a young lion cub. But young lion cubs grow up. And they grow up into something much bigger and much stronger, and I would say much scarier. Just to make sure I wasn't inventing that I had seen videos like this, I I looked one up uh, during the week and saw people who had raised a lion cub that had eventually made its way out into the wild. They went and found this lion, now an adult, and there is video footage of them hugging and pushing each other and these men petting a full-grown lion. I'm not totally sure how I feel about that. I feel like that's still a really strong animal. That's still kind of a scary thing. I know I've read about other occasions where even extremely well-trained animals have turned on and hurt, sometimes very badly, the people who work with them. So petting a lion, it sounds exciting, perhaps, maybe a little bit scary, definitely unnerving. But I could imagine, under the right circumstances, I just might give it a try. There are right circumstances, and there are obviously wrong circumstances. Like when the lion is hungry or trapped. And what about if you put a whole bunch of lions together and they're all hungry? What about a whole bunch of lions in a pit? who are so powerful and so hungry and so vicious that people who get tossed into this pit don't even hit the ground before they're ripped to pieces. I'm not making that last one up. That's an actual description of the lions in the lion's den in the account of Daniel. We heard some of the Daniel account from Daniel chapter 6, read as our first reading earlier. Not all of it, but some of it, and and maybe you know the rest, or maybe you were at least able to figure out what must have happened before our reading picked up in order to know what was going on, but let's talk about it just to make sure. Daniel was a leader, an official 
in the land of Babylon who was serving the king in this role. For several different kings, and none of them were godly, each in their own particular ways, Daniel had faithfully served in the particular role into which God had placed him. And Daniel also served God faithfully. That's made very clear in the verses that we did read. Those verses talked about this everyday habit that Daniel had. He, he was in this habit. He had this practice or daily routine where every day, three times a day, he would go to a particular place in his house where the windows opened up in the direction of Jerusalem where Daniel knew that the temple had been. And that's where Daniel prayed and offered his praise to God. Well, not everyone loved the fact that Daniel did that, or more to the point, that Daniel was such a successful person in the king's court. As Daniel rose through the ranks, he left some people behind. And other, even high-ranking officials for the king did not particularly like and were jealous of Daniel's high position. I'm not sure whether they were totally aware of it or not, but the king even had in his mind, because Daniel was such a faithful servant, that he was going to make Daniel even more powerful. He was going to put him in a position that was over the entire kingdom, including those men who were so jealous of him. So they wanted to stop it. They wanted to turn the king against Daniel. They wanted to do something to, to ruin his reputation, to ruin his good standing with the king, or at least get him out of their way for potential uh, climbing the ranks. So they watched closely for an opportunity. And what these men concluded about Daniel was if they were going to find anything with which to trap him, only realm it could possibly be in was that of his worship of God. They couldn't find anything else in his life. They couldn't find anything illegal. They couldn't find anything that they could use to convince the king that Daniel wasn't a faithful servant, that he was really out to get, not serving the king. Any of those things, they couldn't find any of it, so they made something up. Actually, what the men did was they went to the king and they said, Here, king, we think there's a really good law available to you, and that law will be you tell people that they cannot pray to anyone but you. They can't pray to any god. They can't pray to any other person. They can only pray to you, king. And the king decided he liked that plan. And he put that into effect. And the penalty, if you disobeyed, was you would be thrown into the lion's den. Those same lions that we were talking about earlier, the really hungry, really powerful, really vicious ones. 
Now, I might think about petting a lion. I know I will steer as clear as I can from those lions. These were the lions that if you even got too close to the edge of the pit where they were kept, they would scare you. So, what would you do if you were Daniel? Actually, let's back up a second and first say this about the life of Daniel. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people thought about you the way those men thought about Daniel? If your neighbor wanted to find something wrong in your life, wouldn't it be great if the only thing that they found that was even a little bit off to them was she goes to church every week? He prays a lot. You know, the only way we might possibly get this person in trouble is if we make it wrong to worship the God that this person worships. That's what those men discovered about Daniel. And I don't mean that you should make sure you find a nice big window and that's the place where you pray so that hopefully your neighbors will see it or that you should make some sort of grand gesture about worshiping God, Daniel was doing exactly what Daniel always did. And you could do the same. Go to church, pray to God, serve others, and people will notice. Daniel was doing the same thing even when the lions threatened. He went back to the same window and he made sure that it was open and he prayed to God and he praised God. Would you? If someone said, if you pray to God, there's going to be serious consequences. I think many of us might say, you know, I don't have to make it obvious when I pray. Nobody really needs to know. I could close my window. I don't even have to speak, actually. I could just pray in my heart. I could do that quietly, and everything will be fine. I will still be praying to God. I don't have to pray out loud when I go out to a restaurant. These things are okay. If I'm going to pray, I'm going to make sure that I do it in secret. You know, I think a lot of us would react that way because I think a lot of us do react that way. We have opportunities to let our lights shine, to offer our praise and our thanks to God in a way that others might notice it. And way too often we run away from those opportunities as though there's a hungry lion chasing us. 
How many excuses can we make for not telling somebody about Jesus? Well, he might not appreciate that. How many excuses can we make for not inviting someone to come to church with us? He might say no. And if these are the situations, the challenges that we face, if we act like these are hungry lions, isn't it really true that they're more like the little lion cubs? We're sure there's teeth and there are claws, but probably you're going to be just fine. And yet, when even those sorts of lions threaten us, we act like they're going to rip us apart. The example of Daniel puts us to shame, doesn't it? When he just keeps on doing the thing that he's always done and he prays in front of the open window, even when the lions might get involved. And then, remember what happens? The lions get involved. The other officials tattle to the king. King, didn't you make this law? Yes, I did. Well, then you're trapped. You can't go back on this law. You have to carry out the punishment that you decided in advance was going to be the punishment. And so there was no other choice. The king took this, this high official, the one that he was so pleased with and so proud of, and said, cast him in the lion's den. But the God that Daniel served shuts lion's mouths. Daniel went into that den and his God sent an angel who kept those vicious, hungry lions from harming Daniel all night long. Now, we're not told exactly what Daniel was thinking as he was being pulled to the lion's den. Do you suppose maybe he thought, God is going to rescue me from these lions, everything is going to be okay? Maybe he did. Maybe Daniel thought, so this is how it ends. Being ripped apart by lions. Here's the thing. Either way, Daniel could have had confidence, could have had confidence and could have moved ahead in confidence because he had confidence in God. It wasn't just lions that God is in control of. God is in charge of everything. God is in charge over sin and over death. What Daniel just knew as a promise that God had made to and through his people, you know as a promise that God has kept. Daniel knew that God was going to send a Savior, and you know that Savior by name, Jesus Christ. 
Daniel didn't need to fear. He didn't even need to fear death. He didn't need to fear the lions. Because one day Jesus was going to die for him. So yes, Daniel is presented to us as an incredible example for us to follow. He was a godly man who served his God and served his king. But that doesn't mean he was perfect. Just like every human being born to sinful parents, Daniel was an imperfect and wretched sinner. And he showed this sort of steadfast faith, not because of who Daniel was, but because of who God had made Daniel to be. A believer, confident in God's grace and in God's goodness. We can say the same thing about a man whose name comes to us pretty readily today as we celebrate Reformation Sunday. Martin Luther faced some vicious lions in his life. And I mean not the cute, cuddly little ones, real vicious lions. He faced dangers that you and I have not faced and perhaps never will. What Martin Luther wanted to do was he wanted to take the Word of God that he had learned from the Bible and he wanted to share it with people by preaching and teaching and, and giving the Bible to them in their own language and writing hymns and writing books and, and all of these things in a way that those people could appreciate and understand the goodness and grace of God but he had enemies who wanted to stop that. And the emperor who was in charge of that region and the pope who was in charge of that Roman Catholic church, they went so far as to excommunicate Luther from the church, put him in a position that meant at that time his life was constantly in danger. Real danger. And when Luther had opportunities, and they did come up, where he could have just quietly gone along, where he could have stopped preaching so loudly and writing so many books, or maybe even denied some of the things that he had written before, when he had opportunities to to disappear where he wouldn't draw crowds. Martin Luther didn't do that. He did what the Bible convinced him he needed to do. And he continued serving God. He showed steadfast faith. He acted like Daniel, standing there, kneeling there in front of a wide open window. He kept right on preaching and praying and teaching and writing because that's who God had made him to be. And just like Daniel, Luther did those things because he knew his Savior. He knew how Jesus had faced 
earthly authorities that were sent against him. And they were set against him for doing nothing more than being godly. And even more than that was true about Daniel, it is completely and absolutely true about Jesus, the sinless Son of God himself. And yet when these vicious lions encircled Jesus, God his heavenly Father did not shut the lions' mouths. Instead, God worked through them to accomplish His purposes. And God unleashed on Jesus all the righteous anger and wrath against your sins and against my sins on Him as He suffered and bled and died on the cross. And God says, that sacrifice, because of it, I give you heaven as a free gift. All your sins are taken away. Heaven is yours and nothing on earth can take it away. And just in case you need more proof, Jesus is no longer dead. He is alive again. Believe it. Confess it. Live it. You are going to face lions in your life. You will be tempted to stop serving God and to stop loving God and instead to save your own skin or serve your own comforts. And it could be, it could be one of these situations where it is a real threat, like a snarling, strong, hungry lion. Or it could be one of those other situations where it's really fairly cute and cuddly. Only in your heart and in your mind it doesn't feel that way at the time. You don't need to be stronger than the lion. You have a God who has given you salvation. You have a God who has given you amazing promises how he will preserve you with his word and through his sacrament and keep you safe all the way until that salvation. Serve him. Pray to him. Confess his love and do not be afraid. The God you serve shuts lions mouths amen